Well, good morning and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. My name is Eric and my wife, JJ, who's sitting right here. Um, we've lived in China for 14 years and we've had many a Christmas here in China. Actually, in those 14 years, we've only been back to the States during Christmas once. And so we've really enjoyed Christmas in China. It's become kind of a norm for us. Um, but one thing I've learned over the 14 years of being in China and many of you can relate to this, is that Chinese is a very difficult language to learn. And Do you agree? You know, when we first arrived in Beijing, I was excited to learn and try and speak the language. Even if I made a fool out of myself, I was determined that I was going to learn this language. Which, as you can imagine, I probably made a fool out of myself quite often. And I'm sure many of you can even relate to that. Here's one quick example. We needed a cord for our television. So I psyched myself up and thought, you know what? I can do this. I knew a place that sold all sorts of random things. Uh, they, I mean, they sold hot water bottles and blankets and all sorts of weird electronics. And, and I thought, I bet they have that there. And so I'm sure they would have what I needed. So this was before smartphones uh, and smartphones with Chinese English dictionaries. So I had to use this little red, red dictionary that you had to look up each character by the radicals that were in them. So after about 45 minutes of trying to figure out what exactly I needed to say and writing it all down, I was all ready to go. So I hopped on my bike. I, I don't know why I did a bike gesture there. You guys know what riding a bike looks like. So I hopped on my bike, and away I went, determined to get this cord. So thankfully, it didn't take me long to find what I needed. Uh, it was sitting... Right on, the, right on the table right in front of me. So, so I asked the woman, how much is this? And she replied, So I learned my numbers, and I learned that the number four was and the number five was So she said, which in my mind is four five. So she must mean 45. Um, so for those of you I can see smiling, I already kind of know where this is going. Because, um, you know, I didn't understand that in parts of China, specifically in the south, they also use the number sure, which is 10. They, they pronounce that as su. So, so I basically had asked the woman, how much was this? And she told me 15 kwai. Well, in my mind, I had asked the woman, do xiao qian, and her response was, 45. So 45 actually might be a really good price for a cord like that. I have no idea how much they're supposed to be. And so I did what I was trained to do. Back in the day, you barter for everything. And, and so, so I said, how much is this? I thought I heard 45. And so I said, I I saw, which is, you must be joking. That is way too expensive. So since then, I thought that she had offered 45, I said, So basically what I did was, that's too expensive. You must be joking. I'll give you 30 kwai. So she started laughing and quickly took my money. And I remember asking her, why are you laughing? And she wouldn't tell me. So after I got to the cord, I hopped on my bike, and I, and I went to the, our office. 
and I was telling some of my Chinese friends there what happened, and I was telling them about this great deal that I got and how she wanted 45, and, and I got it for 30. And then I said, the weird thing was is she kept saying si wu. How come she wasn't saying si shi wu? And, and that's when my friends started laughing at me, and that's when I figured out that she was really saying 15. And I bet, I, I bet somewhere that night she was telling her friends about this interaction with a foreigner, and they were having quite a laugh at my expense. So I share that story to help you realize language is difficult. It's a very hard language to learn, especially Chinese. Our first year in China was during SARS, and one of the uh, things that happened then was uh, on our campus that we were studying the language at, uh, several students had died, and a lot of students were quarantined. And so one time I said to some students, yeah, I heard the eight students on our campus just got quarantined. But the word quarantine is very similar to another word. And really what I said, just because of the tonal difference, was I had heard that eight students on our campus just got circumcised. So these students were looking at me very, very strangely. But it's all because of the tone. So, so language is difficult. This month, my wife, JJ, and I celebrated our, our 15 years of marriage. So JJ and I have been married for 15 years. We have a great marriage, and I feel very blessed to, to be married to JJ. I often think, how did I marry so far out of my league? Um, but, you know, in the last 15 years, another thing that I've realized is marriage is difficult, too. And in many ways, I think it's because there's a language issue. I'm a guy. She's a girl. I'm different than, than JJ. You know, JJ and I have been going to see a counselor to help with our marriage. I think we have a great marriage, but the counselor's been helping us realize that so many of our problems is that we often speak a different language. JJ speaks her emotions, and I speak logic. So for those of you who know JJ and I, that shouldn't be a big shock to you. Um, and I can tell by some smiles and your responses, many of you who are married can, can relate to what that looks like. At times, it really does feel like JJ and I are speaking a completely different language. I speak with my head, and she speaks with her heart. So I wanted to show you a quick video. This is kind of an extreme example of what I'm talking about. It's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me, and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head, and it's relentless, and I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most, is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop it, trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, out. you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. 
come on. No. If you would just don't. Like I said, that's an extreme example of what sometimes Jason and I struggle with, with the head versus the heart. Um, I wish I had one of those Monday Night Football telestrators where you can draw up on the screen and circle things because there's a part right up there where you see the guy's face. And whoever that actor was, I thought did a great job because in many ways he captures the confusion and the helplessness I sometimes feel um, in, in relationships and trying to understand. You know, when I was single in college, a married friend of mine told me he knew the secret to women. So I figured he was married, I'm single. I was on the edge of my seat waiting to hear his response. And he, he told a story. He said, let's say your girlfriend falls in a mud puddle. Well, the typical male response is to jerry-rig some sort of rope and pulley system to get her out of the mud puddle as quick as possible to fix the problem. But what she really wants is for you to jump in the mud puddle with her and listen to her talk about how muddy and wet and cold it is. So she wants empathy and not a solution. Well, obviously, I still haven't learned that completely. I'm, I'm praying that I would be able to empathize with JJ. And I think I'm actually growing in that area. She's nodding her head a little, so that makes me feel a little better. So, but I want to really be able to learn how to speak her language. JJ connects with her heart, and I love that about her. I connect with my mind. Growing up, for various reasons, I learned that I needed to perform in order to gain other people's approval, especially my parents. If I was funny or athletic or smart, then people would like me. So part of that performance was not getting into trouble and being a good kid. Early on in life, I'd also learned that my parents didn't like any type of negative emotion. Actually, about six years ago, my mom was here visiting us in China, and we were getting our shoes on, ready to leave to go to the park, because my son loved to play at the park. And so Noah was excited to go to the park. He couldn't wait. And then I got a phone call, and it was the police. And the police said, yeah, we're looking at your documents. You need to come down here and talk to us, your whole family. Well, it's a pretty... Easy decision, we're not going to the park. We're going to go down to the police station. And my son started to cry. And he, he was, had every right to be upset because he wanted to go to the park. But my mom, who was sitting right next to him in the car on the way to the police station, she just couldn't handle him crying. So instead of engaging his emotion of sadness, my mom said, don't cry, here's a cookie. And she tried to smooth it over. And as I was driving to the police station, watching this happen in the back seat, I saw my entire childhood flash, and flash before my eyes. Because my emotions were not welcome as a child. It was like I took my heart and I put it in a box and I buried it in the backyard. I also thought, well, no wonder why I run to food whenever I'm not doing well. But God, in his great love for me, had me marry J.J. Because uh, J.J. came into our marriage with a very, very large shovel. And she was not content with my heart being buried. She was desperate to dig that box up and connect with my, her heart with mine. One thing I've learned that by burying my heart, I protect myself from negative emotion, but I also deprive myself from positive emotion. It's hard to feel joy when my heart is buried six feet underground. 
your heart is like a valve. If you shut off the negative emotion, you're also shutting off the positive emotion, the good and the bad. So over the years, as JJ has helped my heart to become more alive, I have seen that I've been able to connect with her better and engage her heart. But I've also been able to engage the Lord better and connect my heart to God better. And I've been able to love him with my heart. So today I wanted us to look at the great commandment. Clint last week did a great job asking the question, how are we doing at living out the great commandment? So I thought this week it would be great to look at, well, how do we love God with our heads, with our hearts, with our hands, and what that can look like. So let's look at Mark 12, 28 to 30. It says, And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, Which commandment is most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The law has 613 rules and regulations if you look at the Old Testament law. There's even ten commandments, but Jesus does a great job summarizing it into one. Love God and love people. Or you could even summarize it into one word, love. That's what he wants us to do. So, as we look at today, I thought January 1st is coming. I know everybody has New Year's resolutions. We talk about people want to lose weight, people want to quit smoking, people want to spend time more, more time with their families. But I think the number one thing we can do as we go into next year is to learn how can we go grow closer to the Lord. How can we love the Lord with our heart, our, our soul, our mind, and our strength? And what can that look like? So today I just wanted to give you guys a couple quick examples of each of those uh, from my life. There's many ways to love God with our mind. There's many ways to love him with our heart. I'm just going to share some, some of my own personal experiences. Hopefully you guys can learn from them. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's look at, let's look at our minds first. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. So what, what do you set your mind on? What do you think about? I'm in a fantasy football league. This is the championship week. I'm in the championship, so it's hard for me not to set my mind on that and think about that. Actually, even as we speak, my alma mater, Virginia Tech, is in a bowl game playing right now. And so it's hard for me not to want to pull out my phone and look and see what the score is. So it's easy for me to, to fall into the trap of thinking of things of this earth and not on, uh, not on things above. It could be um, what is the latest iPhone product or, or Apple product out there um, or tech gadget. It could be work. I know for me it's easy for me to start thinking about work, 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 and work, and not think about things above. Another thing that I think I spend a lot of mental energy on is worry. I came across this quote. How about I just read it? Um, it says, there is not enough room in your mind for both worry and faith. Only you can decide which one will live there. I spend a lot of my mental energy worried. <laughs> worrying about things that I can't control. 
And because of that, it doesn't change the outcome. Me worrying about something that I can't control doesn't change what's going to happen. But it does change my attitude and my dependence on God through the process. And so I've started to, to be able to lay things at his feet and not stress about things like that. So you might be tracking with me thinking, okay, Eric, that makes sense that we're not supposed to think about earthly things. We're supposed to think about things above. Well, what is that? What does that look like? Well, I think two things are God and his character and then also his word. A.W. Tozer says, what comes to our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So one of the things that's helped me love the Lord with my mind is to understand more of who he is. Just like my relationship with J.J., J.J. longs for me to understand her. She longs for me to know her. And as I understand more of who J.J. is, then I'm able to love her more. And I think that's the same with the Lord. As, as I understand more of who God is and his character, his attributes, then I'm able to love him more with my mind. I love studying about God and his attributes. I love thinking of him as my Abba Father, just like Clint talked about last week, about how God had adopted us as sons. I love thinking about him as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. He's our comforter. He's our redeemer. He's our strength. These things, they give me hope as I set my mind on things above. So you should have gotten, when you came in, a handout. It's praying through the names of God. There's 30 names here. You can use this however you want. You don't have to pray through it each day if you don't want to. But I do think what I would challenge you to do is look at it and go, okay, what are some, a few names on here that are really speaking to me this year? And so, next year's 2016, right? So for 2016, what are three names on here that I could really, really pray about and ask God to reveal those names to me? God, I want to see you as transcendent. I want to see you as infinite. I don't know. As you read through this, which three pop out at you? And make that your prayer. Write it down in a journal or somewhere. And even tell, tell your Bible study, I'm hoping that this year God will reveal himself more to me in these three ways. I think this is a great tool to help us understand his character. Also, there, there's God's word. And I think it's important for us to spend time in that, memorizing it. Psalm 119.11 says, I have a hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so having scripture in our minds and in our hearts helps us love God with our mind. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, there's anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. So God and his word are worthy of praise. So let's grow in loving him with our, with our minds. Well, what about hearts? How are you at loving God with your heart? Based on what I shared earlier, it shouldn't be a huge shock to you that I struggle with that. I think one way in which I struggled with that is that I struggle with sharing my negative emotion with God. Somewhere along the way on my Christian walk, I started to believe the lie that I should never be angry with God. 
Honestly, I think it's because God's perfect, and, and I'm not. So if things are not going my way, then obviously it, it's my fault. It's easier for me to blame myself than it is for me to blame the Lord. But I feel like becoming a parent has really taught me a lot about relationships. There are things that I have to do as a parent, as a good parent, things which are good, good things, right things, but, but they still made my kids angry. Whether it's putting them to bed or taking them to the doctor to get shots or not going to the park but instead of going to the police station. As a loving father, or I want my kids to share their hearts with me even when they're upset. And even if they're upset with me. In these cases, it didn't change what I did. As a loving father, we still had to do those things. My kids still needed vaccinations. We still needed to go to the police station. But it did change how I engaged them along the way. As they shared their heart with me, I was able to engage them in the process. David, throughout the psalm, shares his heart with the Lord. At times, he cries out with anger. He was not afraid to express his real emotions to God. And in the scriptures, it still calls him a man after God's own heart. For me, being real with the Lord has helped me to love God with, with, with more of my heart. Another way in which I have grown in loving him with my heart is being thankful. Psalm 138.1 says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Being thankful helps me remember and engage my heart. Throughout the scriptures, time and time again, God says to his people, remember this. Whether it's building a pile of stones or instructing them on how Passover is, um, how they're, they're supposed to engage their kids and remind their kids again and again. Throughout the scriptures, God tells us to remember. And I think it's important for us to remember. And that remembrance gives me a thankful heart. So I would say as you look at this year ending, 2015 ending, think back about what are some things that God did this past year that, that can help you have a thankful heart. And even if it was a hard year, how can I be thankful in the midst of that? Every year I'm reminded of that, how to be thankful in the midst of struggles when my family watches the Grinch that stole Christmas. Because I love the scene where the Grinch takes all the stuff and he's back up there waiting and thinking that, that he's won. And yet the people still come out and hold hands and sing that Dahu More song. I won't sing it for you. Um, but it shows their thankful heart, even in the midst of not having Christmas. And every year I think, would I be like that? Would I be that excited or, or would I be angry and finding, wanting to find justice? But I think it's important as we engage our hearts to God that we need to have a thankful heart. Matthew 6.21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Rick often talks about when he's, when he's up here speaking, where your affection is. So what do we put our affection in? And God wants our inspection to be in him. I don't think the PowerPoint's working. I wanted to show you a, a quick picture, but uh, I think this is probably too small for you to see. But it, it's a, just a stick figure of a, of a guy holding a heart. And he says, it's all I have. And then over on the other side is a picture of Jesus. And Jesus is saying, it's all I want. And I love that picture. 
And I think one of the reasons why I love that picture is because I can just feel God's love in that, in that picture. He genuinely wants my whole heart. And I think another reason why that picture kind of intrigues me is because I think the old me has a hard time believing it. Jesus is saying, it's all I want. Sometimes I think, is that really all he wants? He doesn't want my performance or my good deeds or my obedience. And I truly believe Jesus just wants our hearts. I think all those things come from that. But I think he wants our hearts. What about our hands? What about our strength? It says we're supposed to love God with all of our strength. What is our strength? I think that's the first question is how has God created you? Um, what are your strengths? It could be maybe you need the, the next step for you is to take a spiritual gifts test to figure out how has God gifted me? And what could it look like to love him with my strength? I think even better than a spiritual gifts test is just ask some friends around you. What do you see? What do you see me being good at? And how can I use, use that to glorify God? You know, I heard it once said that when you use your spiritual gifts, you're refreshed. So try a few things and see what, what brings you refreshment, what brings you joy. I think that's one way in which we can love God with our strength is knowing how has he, what strengths has he given us? A second way is to serve. Maybe serving here in church. You know, my family and I, we've, we served downstairs in the kids' area for, for a long time. We've served as greeters. We've led Bible studies. Uh, I'm up here speaking. My wife has done sign language. Find a way in which you can serve here at church. And maybe, maybe try something and you're, it's okay. The people here who run the church are great, and they want anybody to help out however they want. So if you decide that you want to be a greeter, and a couple months into it, it's not working out well for you, or you're just not a greeter-type person, they're not going to be upset with you. Try something else. And so I would just encourage you guys, as you look into the next year, one way in which you can love God with your heart, or with your, with your strength, is to serve. That's serving here. Also, not only serving here in church, but serving out in the community. What about people that are around you every day? Your taxi drivers, your IEs, people working at the fruit stands, your coworkers. For them, you might be the, cl- the closest they'll ever get to knowing Jesus. The Bible says that we're, we're supposed to be God's ambassadors. And so we have something very valuable that they need. So one way in which you can serve him with your strength is to be his ambassador, to, to tell people about him. Because they need to know. So how are you doing at loving God with your, your head, your heart, and your hands? I just wanted to give us maybe two or three minutes to think about that and pray about which area do I really want to grow in next year? Do I need to learn how to open my heart to him more? Do I need to engage him with my mind more? And think about how can you do that? What would that look like for that to change? I know for me, one of the ways in which I, I didn't share this with the heart, but I, I just thought of it now, um, with my heart is I engage him through music. 
So I love to worship here. Um, I took a, a test years ago called the Berkman, and one of the things the Berkman told me is that I have a very high music score. And so I went out and I bought an MP3 player. This is back in the day, even before the Apple products came out. And uh, I had this MP3 player that I put probably 15 praise and worship songs to. And as I biked to the campus or as I ran or as I did anything, I would listen to music. And that really helped me engage God and love him with my, with my heart. I also realized I took this test called Sacred Pathways. And that Sacred Pathways talks about how do we engage with God. And one of the things that it talked about in that is that I, I engage with God in, in, in outdoor ways. So to go to the mountains or go to the beach or go someplace where I'm outside and I feel the majesty of God, that helps me engage my heart with him. So I wanted to take two or three minutes just to pray and uh, silently and think about how can I engage my head, how can I engage my heart, how can I engage my strength or my hands. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that you want us to know you. Thank you that out of all the commands in the Bible that you're, that you, you're, Self said that the most important is for us to engage you and, and to love you, that you want a relationship with us. So I just pray right now for these next minute or two as we're silent before you, would you just speak to each one of us and help us to know how we can love you. Mm-hmm.